Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Tatum 31, Horford 20, Porzingis 30, Jalen Brown 26, Derek White 26. So low minutes across the board for the C's. Great winners. New Year's resolution for the Celtics. Keep playing like this. Nuts offensively again. They push the win streak to six and crush the Spurs in San Antonio tonight. have now won six in a row. It's Shyman Dondero here on Boston Sports Original WEEI taking you up until six. Uh, the Celtics just absolutely laid it on the Spurs there. They were up, what, 14 at half and then scored 40 in the third quarter, which the third quarter at times has been a question mark for Celtics teams uh, over the last year and a year and a half or so, and yet they came out and absolutely blasted the Spurs uh, in that third quarter and, and won going away there. They have been crushing it as of late. They've scored, what, Basically, uh, 125 or more in seven straight or six of seven. Like this team is offensively a juggernaut. Defensively, you know they're great, but you could ask for some more, especially come playoff time. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts right now on kind of where the Celtics stand at 26 and six. Do you think they need to add a piece coming up here? Kind of where are they headed? I mean, forward? the last few champions have been long. The, the length has been something that has been on their side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be disappointed if they added another guy with length um but it's hard to be too critical yeah um a couple things number one what we were talking about earlier um the whole quarterback thing and, and really having a, a belief because of the guy that's him that, sure. you know you're you're stud i'm not sure where the celtics are in that regard i think they are in a better place than they were last year but i remember okay. seeing a and I've talked about this, and I just want to bring this up to you, bring it to you. Yeah. I remember seeing a – it was an interview, I think, after the Chiefs. Did they beat the Jaguars in the playoffs last year? Yes, they did. It was a did. Chiefs playoff Barely. game. Yeah, it was at Arrowhead or whatever. And I think it was Chris Jones talking after the game. And after that game, he was going on and on and on about just because they have Patrick Mahomes, they always think they're in it, they're going to win it. It's just a belief there. Yeah. Okay? Jason Tatum is a first-team All-NBA player. Now, is he Patrick Mahomes of the NBA? No. But he's damn good, and he's first-team All-NBA, and he could be in a you know MVP consideration at one point in his career, whatever. He's really good. I don't know, though, if the Celtics have that level of belief in their top guy where just because we have Jason Tatum, we're going to find a way to win it. Okay, but so I, I, and I think basketball is a little bit different because like when you look back at that 08 team, right, the, the championship team, yeah. 
Do you think they was Paul Pierce that guy? Was Kevin Garnett really that guy that you were like, oh, we have him, we're going to win the game? I have or had way more, way more faith in Paul Pierce in end-of-game situations than Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Really? Way more. Not even close. Yeah, look, I I, I think, uh, yeah, we, we see things a little differently here. I think just... I think Jason Tatum is a rising star. You're finally starting to see him. He's not a rising star. He's a star. He's a superstar. Yeah. Okay. Maybe rising superstar is more apt. Like, I think he already is. You think? Uh, so, I think as a leader, though, it's finally a moment where he is establishing himself. I think you're starting to see it this year. And I, I, I think it's kind of different. I think there were... I don't want to use – I feel like some shackles were taken off with the departure of Marcus Smart and Grant Williams, some of the more vocal guys on this team. Uh, I think the Jalen Brown contract settled Jalen Brown so that he wasn't as contentious maybe in that locker room with Jason trying to be the alpha dog. And so I think Tatum is finally at a point now with what's around him that he feels comfortable enough to be that guy. And, and I think up until this point, that's kind of what has been – the issue for him is that he has felt uncomfortable asserting himself as the leader and the clear-cut number one guy of the Boston Celtics because of what was around him. And and now I think you're finally starting to see that this year in the way he talks, in the way he plays. Like, I don't think at any point in time he is concerned that he isn't the number one guy. That's fine. Um, I just think some of these guys, in terms of players we've seen in the past, had something that Tatum or didn't have to deal with something that Tatum has to deal with and Jalen Brown for that matter has to deal with. And I just simply think Tatum and Brown can become head cases at times and be inconsistent and get okay. in their own head and get locked up, especially late in games. I never saw Paul Pierce as a head case. I never saw, you know, I didn't see a ton of them, but like Larry Bird, I never thought he was a head case. Even watching the finals last year, I'm watching Jokic, I'm watching Murray. Did they make every play? Did they make every big shot down the stretch? No. But I never felt like they were in their own head. Okay, and if I, I would love to know, and I know you never get an honest answer, but what I just said for the Celtics, do the players in that locker room have a core belief at the end of games that they are going to win because of player whatever, because they have Jason Tatum? Do they have that belief, first off, just by, for anyone? Do they have that belief? And if they do, who is instilling that belief in them? Player X? Play, who is it? Is it Tatum? Is it Brown? Is it Derek White? Is it now we have Porzingis? I feel good because we have Por- Deep down, who instills that belief if they have it? I would love to know those answers. So when you, look at, when you look at this team, though, can it not be a uh, belief instilled by the five guys on the court? Right? When you look at – because when you look at Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, Derek White, and Drew Holiday, it is the pound for pound the best five guys on the court at any time. Like, as a team, they know – that when the five of them are on the court together, they are the best team in basketball. Sure. Period. Yeah. They know collectively they are the best group of players on the court. And so at any point in time, they know Derek White can hit a big shot. Yeah. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Porzingis. Like they can, – can it not be that a a team in, inspira- an inspiration from how good the five collectively are instead of one guy? It can. Usually, okay – when the game gets down to the wire and it's close, yep. there's one guy, especially in basketball, there's more like more or less one guy you lean on. One guy Who rises your above the rest. Your closer. Who's, your clo- who's their closer? Now, maybe they have multiple guys they can close, and that's great. It's proven that way. I'm just wondering, though, when you face inevitably face those games in the playoffs, are they going to be managed well enough or have the experience or whatever 
to get it done in those moments. And I will say this on a positive note. What we saw the last few nights, okay, last few days, whatever, last week, Pistons, um, not the San Antonio game so much. What was the game in between Detroit and the San Antonio game? Who am I forgetting? Uh, uh, Toronto. Toronto. So they had two wins there. Forget about San Antonio. Detroit, Toronto. You're you're really down players in Toronto or against Toronto. Yep. Um, obviously, you were down Jalen Brown, was it, against Detroit? And you got into a big hole and you battled back. Is that a, a measuring stick? No. But I think wins like that can create a winning DNA. And that's what this team I don't think has always had. They certainly didn't have it last year where you can win a lot of games. Like winning a lot of games because you're super talented and having a winning DNA are different things. Okay. I think a game or games like we saw versus Toronto versus Detroit where you get down and you battle back, that I think creates a winning DNA. No matter what happens, this team can find a way to win. That was not the case last year. They would, if, ever, if anything, found a way to lose some games they should have won. That's turned around for me a little bit. We'll see how far they can take it and how well it benefits them. But that's been different this year, and that is a good sign. Really yeah, good. I, I completely agree with you, especially that Detroit game in particular is the one that stood out to me. You're down, what was it, 19 at halftime, and you battled right. all the way back, shorthanded. You were able to battle back and win that game in overtime against a team that was dying for a win. They had they had lost 27 straight up to that point. They were dying for a win, and you were able to battle through that adversity and come out with a win. So I agree with you there. I, I just look back at last year like, were there times that they kind of fell apart? Yeah, but Jason Tatum also scored 51 in, what was it, Game 7 against the Sixers? Yeah. Like, there, I feel like maybe that winning DNA isn't fully constructed yet, but, like, they've been putting pieces together for this for a while now, and I think you're starting to see that come to fruition as we go through here. It You know, it started with Ime as the head coach, in that in that state a series against Golden State in the finals, you fall short. Tatum injured, maybe who knows, yeah. whatever. And then you fall short in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're you're finally at a point too now where Joe Mazzulla seems like he is now comfortable as the head coach. Where that wasn't the case last year. You see Jason Tatum feel like he's starting to assert himself a little bit. And Chris, the acquisition of Kristaps Porzingis to me, is the major difference maker. Like, if he is healthy in the playoffs, this team, I just don't see how they lose basketball games. I don't, I cannot, I look at a team like the Bucks, who are still struggling to find themselves with Dame Lillard, and, and Giannis is the guy, but having Dame there has created a different bit of chemistry. Like, I, I'm not threatened by the Sixers. To me, they are just like a, I don't know, they're the, the former Detroit Lions, they're going to find a way to screw it up. Yeah. They're, one way or another, they're going to puke on themselves because that's what they do. And I look at this team from Tatum to Brown to Porzingis to Derek White, who, as J.J. Redick has put it, is one of like the most underappreciated uh, players in basketball because he's a role player. And then Drew Holiday. Like, I, just, I think this team is top to bottom the best in basketball. I just can't imagine when they're all healthy a way that they lose. Can I ask you an uncomfortable question? Of course. And I don't know. How, I don't want to word this in a disrespectful way because I don't no. want to talk about injuries or something. But let's just say there was a scenario that was painted for you where you you were going to lose one player for the rest of the year. Yep. Which player would make you more concerned if you lost him for the rest of the season right now? Jalen Brown or Derek White? Ooh, I see what you did there. I would probably say Derek White. I think he, as a two way player. 
offers more than Jalen Brown. It's just weird. It's it is weird, thing. especially because Jalen Brown is the highest paid player, highest paid player in basketball. Correct. It, so it is. I I agree, and that's it's weird. But I just think what Derek White offers defensively, offensively, right. is so so important. And I don't I don't mean that to sound like I'm trashing Jalen Brown. I no, Jalen Brown. I game. do too. I think he's going to be important for them if they want to get to where they want to get to. But Agreed. it's just. I don't. I, I just. Tr- I don't know what Derek White doesn't do well. You know, he de- he seemingly does he de- everything. He well. defends well. He, he he's like number two in basketball on point per touch. So if the ball touches his hands, the Celtics are scoring the, the more points than just about anybody, except like one other player. I think it is. I he's, forget what the number is. By and large, he's been durable. He yeah. is. He makes great. He's decisions. clutch. He's clutch. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He can drive. He ma- he can pass. He is the best teammate, arguably on the team. Like yeah. there's nothing that you don't want to. I mean, that I was one of the steals with my dog. That you know? is one of the steals of uh, the Brad Stevens era oh, so no far doubt. has been Derek White and what he has brought to this team so far. He is, to me, he's like the glue of this team at the moment. Like, I think Porzingis is what put the big three more or less over the top a little bit. But I think if you were to lose Derek White, you would be in uh, a tough spot. Because who replaces Derek White? Peyton Pritchard? Right. I don't love. I don't love that. I mean, this we're not even talking about a role situation. You're talking yeah. about a guy that's been the centerpiece. He's been a... a and all a star for you. Yeah. So I mean, he play. He's playing at an all pro level. He, he is going to be so big if you get to where you want to get to. He's going to be a huge part of it. He's going to be as central a part of it as a guy like Jalen Brown, who's been celebrated here, understandably and deservedly so, but been celebrated here as the the Robin or the other star, or whatever, for a lot of time, a lot and, of years. And I feel like if you were without Jalen Brown and Tatum was struggling, there is guys like Porzingis and like Derek White who can pick up on the scoring, whereas if you're without Derek White, I don't know who picks up on the defensive part of that, right? And then it becomes a shootout, and that's when anything can happen. You, you know what else, too? I just – and I, obviously Tatum is a more skilled player, better, but, like, I don't, I don't feel like – and, again, maybe expectations play a role. Maybe I'm just not holding them to the highest standard, whatever it is. I just don't feel like Derek White has ever lost – like, Jalen <laughs> Brown sometimes is just lost out there. Or yeah, Jason yeah. Tatum can even just be lost. Like, I felt at times where Jason Tatum is the fourth or fifth best player on the floor in a big spot. And that's just, you can't have that. So, I, I Derek White never feels it. Now, again, if, it was, if he was tasked with being the guy, the man, maybe it wouldn't work out that way. But I don't know. 617-779-7937 if you want to weigh in here on the Celtics. Patriots still on the table. We talked about them the entire first hour. Kind of that loss to the Bills, where they're at with the draft pick, and Bill Belichick's future with the organization. 37937 if you want to text into the program. It's Shime and Dondero here on Boston Sports Original WEI taking you up till 6. Dondero's going to get you caught up with what's trending right now. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Yeah, I'm just thankful and grateful. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to go out there and help us win. Um, I think if I if I was to make All-Star Game, it's a... Uh, it's because of how much we're winning and uh, the type of team we have. So I'm just thankful to be part of this team and this this organization and the culture that we're building here. And um, me making it or not making it uh, doesn't change the fact that I'm just thankful to be here. Shyman Dondero here with you on Boston Sports Original WEI. That was Derek White uh, following the Celtics win over the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they absolutely crushed the Spurs in that one, 134-101. Uh, we've been talking Celtics here a little bit. Winning DNA, Jason Tatum. Wanted to get, you said, Dondero, you said you had one more thought you needed to get out on the Celtics. Yeah, so they play the Thunder it. tomorrow night. Correct. p.m. tomorrow night at the Thunder. Okay. To me, that is going to represent one of the toughest tests of the entire season. Forget about the Bucs, forget about the Heat, forget about Philly, all of those teams. When you face a team like this, an up-and-coming, talented team, you don't see that often on the road. They're going to watch this game. They're going to view this game as their Super Bowl. Kind of like how the Celtics viewed that Lakers game. Like It's like, we got to get up for this. The measuring stick for them. Um I think it's going to be as tough of a game as you've had since that game in Minnesota that went to overtime that you ended up losing. I think it's going to be – this is the type of game that would be so impressive for me if they can find a way to win. I'm just putting this one in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It just feels like this matchup would be a perfect opportunity to show me, especially when you're this good. You know, you can't learn something after every single game. This is one I think we can learn something. How they treat the end of the game. First of all, does it get down to an end-of-game tight situation where you have to make a play or two down the stretch to win it? But if they can get to that point, how do they handle it? If they don't get to that point point, they blow them out, well, that's impressive. Do they lose? Do they lose like they did the last time they were there? You remember how that game went? I think it was no SGA, no Chet Holmgren, obviously, and they lost by 30 or whatever it was. <laughs> it was a huge loss. Um this is going to be a game. They've got everybody's – I mean, the Thunder have people's attention now. They're yeah. one of the best teams in the West. They're, they're loaded with picks. They're loaded with players right now. I mean, they could be a finals team in the next five years, three years, depending on what they do. I think it's going to be a great test for them. And these are the games that I love to watch the Celtics play in. How do they handle the expectations down the stretch, the talent? They've been winning them this year. But even if they do win, how do they win? And I can't wait for this one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You, you're going to want to see Jason Tatum rise to the top, right? right? Like you want to see him assert himself as the most dominant player on the floor in this game from the first minute to the final minute. And it, you brought up an interesting point, too, during the break. We were talking with the Joe Show, producing the show, doing a great job, by Joe the way. Uh, and, uh, and you had brought up the Celtics are 1-3 in overtime games this year and 
Who did you say scored all those points in overtime this is the against problem. the Pistons? This is what I worry about, and this is what Joe Mazzulla is going to have to manage going down the stretch here, especially as the, the games get bigger. Down the, we're not down the stretch yet, but as they get bigger. In the overtime, so Tatum missed the shot that could have won it. Correct. Fine, that happens. He does, you know. In the overtime, though, it was Porzingis, and it was Derek White who scored the field. There was no Jason Tatum field goals, and too often that's the case. Dating back to last year, how many times did they end up in overtime or with a shot to win it they get into overtime and they lose. Cleveland, Cleveland, Miami. I mean, it just kept happening because Brown and Tatum in overtime where every possession is magnified and you need to take over, they've had issues doing it. Now, again, it doesn't mean they're not as good. People crush me on social media for these takes. But it, I'm just telling you what I see and I'm watching it. And we, for 20 years, we saw what it was, what it took. And sometimes they just get, it, get in their own head. And they have trouble getting out of it. You don't know how long it's going to last. That's why I question how much everybody believes in it. That's why I asked you if the team took the truth serum or whatever it is. If their confidence, where does it come from? Is it Tatum? Or is it because you have Porzingis and White and whatever? Like, I'd love to know where Sam Hauser stands on that. Or where any of those... <laughs> Luke Cornett. Right. Where, do they, where is their confidence coming from? Obviously Tatum and Brown because you could explode. You know who's like this? Steph Curry was like this. I was a big Warriors fan. I hated the – I didn't like the Thunder. I didn't like the Cavs. I was rooted for the Warriors back in their heyday. Curry would do this. He would be able to execute an avalanche of three-pointers to win you a game. And oh, yeah, he, he still does going it. Away. He still does it. But before that Celtics series, his early MO in the playoffs was down the stretch. He, he had trouble hitting the big shots to win it against Cleveland in the finals, against OKC. Some of those series, he didn't do that well down the stretch of the biggest games. The field goals weren't there. He figured it out. I'm just saying there's a little bit of that where you could have an avalanche from Jalen Brown in the second or third quarter, fill it up, get hot, do this, create separation. And you then just disappear when it matters but most. When you need it, where is he when I need it? Jason Tatum gets hurt in the in game seven. Where are you then? I don't have time for you to be in your head then. You're, you're getting paid too much. You're too good. That's what I get concerned with, and that's why I get frustrated with those two. When I need it, you got to be there. You're the best. So that's why I get frustrated. Yeah, no, I get it. It'll be, I love, I got to tell you, I love the passion out of you. Oh, uh, hey, you're welcome. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how this season progresses. For me, I'm like stuck in a holding pattern because I watched what happened to the Bruins last year. Oh. Best team in hockey, <laughs> fall apart in the first round of the playoffs. I see the Celtics this year and I'm like, oh, this team is the best team in basketball. Like, it's not even close. Like, pound for pound, the best team in basketball. Now I kind of just need, I need to wait to the playoffs. I need to see what happens when the games are the uh, the biggest games on the schedule when the lights are the brightest when everything every single moment especially in the fourth quarter matters that's what i need to see i need to see who's going to step up because right now you're right like tatum hasn't fully done that like he hasn't there's been like a moment here and a moment there but it hasn't there's been zero consistency to it right, right? The consistency and, exactly that's and, the thing. and i'm curious Will there will 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 Kristaps Porzingis be that guy in those big moments when we need shots? Will they be just like, yeah, we're just gonna funnel the ball to Porzingis and he's gonna take care of this? Or is Tatum finally going to do that on a game to game basis? Or I, I ju I'm just like even you look at that 08 championship team, right? When when you needed a shot, it was Paul Pierce or just hit Ray Allen in the corner. Well, like will Derek White assert himself into a that Ray Allen type role where it's like, all right. I'm going to find myself open away from the ball, hit me with a pass, and we'll hit the shot. I'm curious who will assert themselves or if it will 
or if their plan is to do it in a multitude of ways, right? Is there a night where it's like, okay, our best shot is Derek White? Okay, Porzingis has dominated all night. He's the guy. Jason Tatum, this is your moment. And when those moments occur, who rises to the top? Where does it? Because normally, we always say this: the cream rises to the top, right? The crop, the the cream of the crop rises to the top. But I guess we're just waiting at this point. I bet you, if you go on YouTube, and you know Ooh. people have edited these things and they put them on House of Highlights. If you put on top ten Jason Tatum shots or something like that, mm. you're probably gonna find you're not gonna. I don't know. You just for as good as he is. You'll find the one against Brooklyn. You know, you might find the one he banked in against Milwaukee once upon a time. You know, it just the end of game shots aren't there. And I, if I was, if I was in that room interviewing Joe Mazzulla, I would ask him, Coach, how do you guys work on end of game situations, or specifically buzzer beater situations? If yeah. I had, a, if the if the Celtics were to ask me for a New Year's resolution, get better at buzzer beaters. There's not much to improve on. They're so good. But maybe buzzer beaters, or when the clock is ticking down, find somebody that can make a basket and execute in that. Because they just don't do it enough. And I, I'm just watching what we're seeing. And Tatum, yes, has stepped up in those moments and been huge. But too often, he's been too inconsistent. And for a guy that's that good, that level of inconsistency, you can't have it. That's where I get a little frustrated. Yeah, as an MVP candidate, you have to be the guy. And and you can't. there can't be any of that in between. And I get that. I get where you're coming from. I'm just curious to see how it pans out this year in the playoffs. 617-779-7937 if you want to weigh in. We've been talking Celtics. We've been talking Patriots. I got a question for you. I know now I kind of where you're at yeah. with the Celtics team, where, where you're at with Jason Tatum. I'm curious. We I just mentioned earlier the, uh, the, the upsetting collapse of the Boston Bruins last year. Where do you stand right now on this Boston Bruins team? Who they went through a stretch here, a little rocky, couple overtime losses, couple just regulation losses, but now stringing a couple wins together again, heading into the new year. Kind of where are you at with this Boston Bruins team? So I, I had a thought the other day, and you know it's more of a macro thought. Okay, but I'm I'm just I love your take on this because maybe it encapsulates the entirety of the run since the last cup in 2011. Does it simply come down to goaltending? You when you won the cup in 2011, what did Tim Thomas do? Stood on his stood head. on his head. He was unbelievable. And we've seen this from other teams. We know that's always a, usually a big part of. I mean, we saw it with what was the goal? I don't even remember. Was it Remington for the Blues in 2019? Uh, yeah, Jordan Biddington. Biddington. That's it. But anyway, so that was that in 2011. Tim Thomas stood on his head. Then you had Tuka Rask. Now I don't know where you stood on Tuka Rask. He was up. He was down for some people. Some people loved him. Some people couldn't stand him. There was always, it felt like, some issues or he left or this and that. And it just, sometimes it was messy with Tuka Rask. Yep. Wasn't necessarily his fault they lost to the Blues. It was, I thought, the, more than No, the he was awesome he was in that good, series. good, and the first line really let them down, I thought, in Game 7. Agreed. So that's the second thing. But there was, a, Tuka Rask and that whole dynamic was a thing for a while. Then last year arguably one of the biggest question marks or second guesses had to do with um, Jim Montgomery not, what did he do? He just stuck with Linus Allmark. Mm -hmm. He did not, he, all year they were alternating the goalies. Back and forth. And then he, was Allmark fully healthy. He stuck with them. It didn't work out. That may or may not have been the reason they lost the series. I don't know. So I'm just wondering, does it simply come down to 
finding a way to manage the goalies better and or having your goalie be at the absolute best in the playoffs? Has that been the biggest problem overall for the Bruins? So I don't I don't know. I don't believe that. Okay. I, I think I think goaltending is important, but like when you look at a team like the Colorado Avalanche who who won like their goaltending was suspect. Sure. You look a, a, a few years back to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had it was like Mark uh, Mark Andre Fleury and uh, Martin was the other goalie. I think it was, and so they were kind of going back and forth. And it, the goaltending doesn't need to be perfect anymore. I don't think to win a Stanley Cup. Can a goaltender by himself win you one? Yeah, it can happen, but I don't think you need perfect goaltending anymore. And I think a lot of what happened last year falls squarely at the feet of Montgomery. Like. You had so, so much because I think he missed an opportunity in game five to go to Jeremy Swayman. Like that was the the big one for me. And on top of that, you look at and Wiggy, I deal with this all the time because Wiggy is firmly uh, on the side of you can only have one goalie in the playoffs. I disagree. All last season, you were able to go back and forth between the goalies. This season, they're literally basically playing every other game. Yeah. Every other game. And and in my opinion, Swayman is, has been the better goalie. And so I would start him like game one, but I would still go back and forth. I would still give these guys the reps because I think that's what makes them so good. First of all, I think they challenge each other. Second of all, I think it keeps them healthy. It keeps them fresh, and you avoid those injury situations. And if one guy does go down, yeah, then the other guy takes the load, and that's okay. But I think Montgomery's biggest mistake last year was deviating from what worked so well for them all regular season. And I think you're already starting to see him come back on that decision this season by not giving Olmark, you know, three games in a row Uh or Swayman four games in a row. Like, they play every other night. So I'm – okay. I would have been, I guess, one of those old-school mindsets where it was you play one goalie in the playoffs. So do you think they should trade one of the goalies then? No, I think they should keep them and do what they're doing okay. and use both of them. Unless, look, do they have the firepower to win? I don't think they last do. Last year they I, did. I mean, they this did year I'm not year, sure. They, I, I would almost, just because of what I just said about the goaltending, mm-hmm. if you think that's putting you in your best position to win, I would give that a shot this year and do what you've been doing all year in the playoffs. I know it's it might be uncomfortable. It's different. You, I don't know what goalie Bob thinks. You just ask <laughs> You know, you, you think about what has worked in the past. Fine, that's always been you You ride one guy, he wins the con Smythe, he stands on his head and all that. But if that's what you've been doing all year, you've been this level of success, is, at least last year was unprecedented, this year they're still good, I would try it and see how it goes and then hopefully, you know, maybe a, some of these forwards that haven't scored at all can start scoring a little bit more. And then you maybe find that, you ride that hot wave in the playoffs. I would... I, w- I don't think at this point I'm trading them. I-, I would get uncomfortable. Then you go into the playoffs like you did last year, and I want to try a different thing. Yeah, I-, I think this year. Last year, I felt like the identity of the team was how good the offense was, how how good, how well they could score, uh, and how much they could score. And then I, as as we got into the playoffs, I realized that, oh, no, maybe it was just the goaltenders were amazing. And, and you had the Vezna winner, and you should have just bounced back and forth like they're doing right now. And I think... The identity of this team is much clearer than what I saw last year. Like last year, which is weird to say, knowing how good last year's team was. But this year, the identity is okay. Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark are going to win us these games. That's what's going to happen. We need to score a couple of goals. Sometimes we're going to need to block a lot of shots. We're going to have to pack it in a little bit. We're going to be playing in our own zone quite a bit, and sometimes to an uncomfortable amount. But 
at the end of the day, these guys are so good, especially Swayman right now. Like, if he sees the puck, it's not going in the net. Like, this guy is going to get in position to make the save. He is he is locked in right now. He's had a couple moments where he has fallen short here this season so far, but ultimately, like, he has been so good up to this point, and I think that continues. And so I feel like the identity is much more secure now than it was last year. I also think they still feel that pain, the sting of the way they fell apart last year, and that drives a lot of the guys on this team that were there, the guys like Pasternak and Marchand and the goalies. Like, I don't think they ever want to feel that again, even without Bergeron, even without Krejci. These guys just keep grinding, and and you're starting to see some of those other pieces that you brought in, the Morgan Geekies, uh, find their way and get better. Pavel Zaka has turned, I mean, what a contract that is. And when you look to the postseason and into the offseason next year, if you just ma- kind of just maintain pace here and hold those goalies, next year Linus Olmark's contract comes down from the $5 million to 3500000 He's going to be making less than what Jeremy Swayman is right now, and at that point, the cap is going to explode. You're going to get like $100 million in cap money. You're going to be able to give Swayman the long-term contract you want, officially make him kind of the next guy, like the number, legit number one. And next season would be the season I'd at least think about trading Linus Olmark because he's going to be on the final year of his deal, cheaper money, easier to move. He's still going to be good, but Swayman will be even better and under under long-term control. And that's when, too, there's going to be a million different free agents, especially forwards. Like the, the free agent market this year is going to be Awesome. It's going to be one of the best hockey's had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the Bruins never intended on being right back into the thick of things in the East this year after what happened last year and going all in at the trade deadline. And yet here they are because their primary pieces are just that good. David Posternock and the goalies are just that good. And so I think they're kind of okay with making a small run in the playoffs and losing. Like this isn't the season they expected to win. Next season – they are going to, like, unload and really try and win. I just don't know, man. I don't know what you do, where you go. They, they've they've literally done everything since winning that cup, 2011. So they had the core. So it's not just, oh, yeah. they, they don't have a, a championship pedigree. They, they can't get to that level. No, they did. They got to that level. They were all so young when they did it. They've had great goaltending. They've had good defense. They've had thumpers. They've had scoring. They've had, you know, they went all in. They loaded up. I don't know what it is that's missing. I, I don't know what the ingredient is that has been missing since 2011 that has disallowed them to win another one. They've changed goalies. I thought maybe it was Tuca. Like, for the longest time, I thought it was Tuca. You thought I, it was Rasmus. I thought it was yeah. Rasmus. Something about what he infused this team with from a culture perspective didn't allow for them to win the Stanley Cup. And then they did what they did last year and choked that one away. So... I don't know what it is. They had Bruce Cassidy. That didn't work. Obviously, he was capable of winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah, because he did it the next year with another team. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I don't know what the adjustment is other than maybe a couple of those years they blew it, not completely overloading with talent or or trying to go. But, they, I mean, they brought in Taylor Hall. They brought in these guys that could. But I feel like that also, uh, it allows those people, too, who have questioned Patrice Bergeron to speak a little bit louder. Because I wonder, yeah, oh yeah, I think it really makes you wonder: was it his leadership? Like, was it was he too complacent? Was he not rah rah enough? Was there not enough, you know, just like us against the world energy? Like when I look at Brad Marchand, he is 
as feisty as I've ever seen him. He isn't, I don't think talent-wise he's as good as he has been in years past, but he is constantly yelling at the refs because he's getting a bunch of bogus calls anyways just because of his reputation. And he is giving it to those guys in the pinstripes constantly. And I don't think, I think his mentality is much different than what Patrice Bergeron's was. Having been a guy who was a fourth-line grinder and had to work his ass off to get to where he was, whereas a guy like Patrice Bergeron came in and, right away was good at 19 mm-hmm. years old and was going to be a building block for that franchise, for our franchise for years and years and years, and that's exactly what he was. And he wins all these Selkies, and he's one of the best two-way centermen we've seen for the Bruins, right? And so I think now the mentality has shifted a little bit, and I think it's a little bit different, and I think they're better off for it. And it, it's I love Patrice Bergeron. I love what he brought to this franchise. I just think... From a mentality perspective, they're better off now. That, that's why I said the goalie thing to start. Yeah. It's the only thing I can think of that would be the missing piece. The missing component was was what Thomas did. He absolutely stood in his head. He was beyond special during that run. And maybe that is that the only answer? Is that the only thing that they could do to win a Stanley Cup? Have a goalie play out of his skull, out of his mind. Because everything else I feel like has been there in one way or another and they've just come up short despite the fact they've had this championship ability because they won one. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is because Pasternak has some of those same qualities you rag Jason Tatum for, where in those big spots, in the playoffs, when the lights are its brightest, he kind of disappears yeah. sometimes. And, and I, I'm i hoping that things are changing a little bit for him, and, and that may change for the Bruins. In fairness, it, hockey is basketball and hockey. A little different. The same thing. Yeah. yeah, 100%. 617-779-7937 if you want to weigh in here. We got Celtics. We got Bruins. We've got Patriots. We've talked about them all. I see a couple callers on the line. We will get to you as soon as we come back here. It's Shime and Dondero taking you up until 6 right here on Boston Sports Original WEEI. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We're right back to WEEI. Dara with you here on Boston Sports Original WEEI, taking you all the way up until 6 o'clock this evening. We've been talking Celtics, Bruins, and a lot of Patriots today. Uh, let's get right to the callers. We've got a few of you lined up here. Let's go to Mike and Randolph. Wanted to hit on the Celtics. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, what's up, guys? How are we doing today? Happy New Year. Same to you, man. What's Happy up? Hey, I, I want, hey, so I wanted to talk about this. And listen, it's all justified. Everyone talking about the great start Tatum and Brown have had and Porzingis and Derek White, but a guy I think that everyone's sleeping on still, just because everyone else is playing so well, is Drew Holiday. I mean, he is the glue. I mean, he is he is everything. The best case mark is smart, but with offense and decision-making ability. He's a better defender. He's not complaining to the refs. He's passing up open looks for better shots. And, you know, I remember, like, smart at times would try to play bully ball. No, 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 no. Drew Holiday, when he gets a smaller guy on him, plays bully ball. He makes the right decisions. I mean, 
you look at this, we lost Smart and picked up Porzingis and Drew Holiday. I mean, you were talking about, you know, the Derek White being the steal of Brad Stevens' um, tenure. I think this past offseason is probably the steal of his tenure. He did an unbelievable job. And the last thing I want to say is I would they got to go all in right now. And when I say all in, you got to get another piece or two just in case you have a Porzingis go down or a Derek White go down because I'm not bought in on um, on Hauser, you know, Pritchard. Okay, he can give you some minutes, but I want some veteran guys coming off the bench. Maybe they don't even play unless you need them, but you got to go in all right now. Thanks for the call, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, where do you stand on uh, Drew Holiday? That's one of the few guys we haven't really hit on uh, quite as much today. So people were doing their end-of-year type of things over the course of the last few days on the various shows. And I said I think the biggest thing, the best thing that happened in 2023 was that trade. The And, you know, Holiday and Porzingis. Yeah, Acquiring them, those two, would be the best thing that happened in 2023 in Boston sports. And I think it's going to pay off. I love them. Um, I do think that there is a demeanor that Marcus Smart brought to the table, which at times was beneficial, and I liked Marcus Smart a lot. But um, I think there's something about Drew Holiday that's a little bit more um, composed, poised. um, Mature. Mature, that's a good word for it, that I think is going to help this team. And I think it's going to put, most importantly, and we'll find out, but Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown at ease, maybe in some of the bigger spots. And I just love the way, I mean, you've seen it in the videos, Jalen Brown and, and Chris Epps Porzingis get along great. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're meant to be. I don't know how they got so close so fast, but whatever. I've loved everything about it. But Drew Holiday, I think he settles the game down uh, defensively. He's the best. He's got the best hands defensively in the league, arguably. I expect him to be a big reason why they get over the hump, too. I mean, if you look back at the Knicks game to start the first game of the year, Knicks, I think that is going to be exactly what we see in the playoffs and why this team's going to win. You have to go back, and you saw Porzingis made some big shots, and it was a, it was a little bit of everything. That's going to be the big reason, and Drew Holiday's a big part of it. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think Drew Holiday offers a lot of what Marcus Smart brought to the table. Maybe not all of it, but a lot of it, and it comes with a different level of maturity and calmness, steadiness, that I don't think was present really on this team prior to that. And let me just say this. The be- ideally, the best player is your leader. Yeah. Ideally. Marcus Smart was the longest-tenured Celtic. He wanted to be sort of in that role. He thought he was good enough to be, but he wasn't. No. And it just created a little bit of, not friction, but awkwardness or whatever you want to call it. For sure. Because he was the longest-tenured Celtic. He wanted to be the leader, so I felt like Tatum and Brown sort of deferred to his. He was like a number six pick. Like, I want to be that guy. guy. I think they deferred to his stature, whatever you want to call it, too often when they need it needed to be their team. Now it can officially be their team. Holiday's not trying to infringe on that. He knows Tatum. Tatum's been here longer. Tatum's better. We'll see how he handles it. Yeah. But there was a little bit of that awkwardness with Smart here that I think removing him takes away, and I think they're paying. Uh, it's paying off. I agree. 617-779-7937. Let's go to Dave in Bridgewater on the Bees. What's up, Dave? Hey, guys. Love the show. Happy New Year. Happy Same New to Year. you. Uh, So here's the thing, and this isn't fun for sports radio, and it's not the way people think in 2023. You want a nice, tidy answer as to why the Bruins didn't win more than one during the Bergeron era. Uh, There's not one answer. Uh, And if there is, it's that winning a Stanley Cup is really, really effing hard. It's really hard. It's the hardest title to win in all of pro sports. Can we agree on that? Uh, Yeah, it could be the most grueling trip through the playoffs. Yeah. Fine. 
I mean, it's a, it's a war of attrition. And even if you survive, and Bergeron was half dead in 2013. I was at that game in, in uh, game six. And even if you survive, it, it's one bad deflection, one puck bump. One, you know, Tuka Rask was not the problem. He would have been the MVP in 2019 if they could have scored a goal. Right. And, I mean, the top line couldn't score a goal in, game, in the last three games of the final. It's a really hard thing to do. It's hard to win a cup. And that's the answer. That's all I got. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate the call. Yeah, look, I, I think that hockey is w- probably the hardest sport to win it in just because I think luck is so much more involved sometimes than uh-huh. people want to give it credit for. Puck luck is a real thing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and and it's more so in that sport than just about any sport. Like when you look at football, the quarterback is the one controlling the football. So what he does with it is is more or less going to happen. Like, if he makes a bad throw, it's going to be a bad throw. If he makes a perfect throw, it's going to be perfect. Whereas with hockey, if you shoot a puck off the boards, it could hit a stanchion and bounce back at the goalie, or it could just wrap around the boards and go down the other end. Like, sometimes there's certain things that can just happen in that sport that don't necessarily happen in things like basketball and football. But if that's what you want to chalk it up to, if it makes you sleep at night, go ahead. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more than that. Here's why I'll push back on, on Dave's call and Dave's point. And I see what he's saying, but yep. here's what I'm going to say. Um, Bruins won in 2011, right? Yes. Bruins won. Great team, great core, young core, star awesome. players. They got a chance to do things. They 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 replaced Tim Thomas with Tuka Rask, and Rask was wildly talented. Since 2011, here are the champions. Kings, Blackhawks, Kings, Blackhawks, Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins, Capitals, Blues, Lightning, Lightning. I'm sorry. We've got a few teams that figured out how to win more than once yes, in that time. So that is why I question why didn't they do it? Why couldn't they do it? What was the problem? Other te- Plenty of other teams figured out how to win. Multiple, even though it might be the hardest championship to win, a lot of examples in right. since they last won of teams. Three different organizations won it at least twice, if not the Blackhawks who won it three times. It could be done. Yeah. They could have done it. They were right there. What was the problem? You're 100% right. I think that's a really, really good point. For being a, such a difficult trophy to win, it's interesting that teams were able to do it multiple times in a, in a short span of time. Like the Blackhawks did it, and they do it in different ways too, right? The Kings a lot of the time did it because Jonathan Quick was so damn good. Yep. And then the Blackhawks did it because Taves and Kane were that effing good, and they would just score a million. And the, the Penguins had Malkin and Crosby. The goalies didn't matter. But then you look at the Lightning. Vasilevsky would stand on his head, or they would be amazing on offense with Kucherov and Stamkos and Braden Point and blah, 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 blah. So there's just so many different ways to do it, and – I don't know if the Bruins have had, until right this moment, I don't think they have established a central core identity like those other teams because those other teams had identifiable reasons why they won Stanley Cup. I thought they did. I mean, I thought the Bruins had that. I mean, the Bruins, yeah, you're right. Jonathan Quick was awesome. They had, who'd they have on those? Justin Williams and Dustin Brown. Those were like winners, champions. Andre Kopitar. Right. But I thought the Bruins had that. And they, they won. That's the big thing. If they hadn't won... Okay, you maybe just couldn't figure it out, or maybe they finally got one after years of grinding and pushing and getting close. But they won so early, and they they showed resilience. I don't. Was it the? Did they need Tyler Sagan to stick around? Like what was? It? I don't know. But they showed resilience. They battled back down 0-2 against the Canucks. You know they won tough game sevens. It was an awesome run, and they were also. Da- I just cringe when I think about how young Marshan was and. All of them. All yeah. of them are so young. I just you gotta get me one more. <laughs> uh let's go to Paul real quick before we hit the break. What's up, Paul? 
Hey, happy New Year, guys. How are you? Happy Same New Year. to you. Um, I, I heard the smartest thing and the dumbest thing. <laughs> what Brad Stevens did to get Porzingis and Drew Holiday is really a, a brilliant maneuver. And the way we let Marcus Smart go, where he was appreciated, they need your senior leadership. That's called collaboration and coordination and what's good for everybody. So I was asking one of you gentlemen, how can we have such a bad coaching action like in game seven or in the games last year when I joked about Jalen goes from laser guy to ninja till he can't handle the ball. You know, he's emotional and that has to be an emotional imbalance because he's too physically skilled. And then you guys just said Derek White's number two um, at ball security. And I have been saying, put in Derek White. Uh, That's an extremely important play. And I wonder how the coach could not notice that you have two distinct forms of good and then not good turnover and didn't replace them with what I call Derek Way is one of the best bench players and average hours above average. All right, Paul, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, look, I, I also think Joe Missoula is still kind of learning, I mean, especially last year. Last year was hard. Like, you were the interim coach just because of the whole situation with Ime. It was kind of weird, awkward is a word they used, especially with the Marcus Smart situation. Like, uh-huh. I think all of that – was kind of odd. I think now, though, I think you're seeing Missoula start to kind of come into his own. He understands his position. He doesn't have that Marcus Smart influence anymore either. It's right. a little bit more well, steady. The, the second Smart said something after that Philly season, or the Philly season, what did he say? Rightfully so. Yes, doing, Joe Missoula got one criticized. Of, one, of them rightfully had to go. So. one of them had to go. Right 100%. when he said that. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.